Hi, this is Steve Howe, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me in the Zoo Room today is Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, the legendary guitarist of Yes. Please welcome Mr. Steve Howe. Hello, Steve. Hello there, Pat. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, now, where are you located right now, Steve? Uh, somewhere in the UK. Somewhere in the UK. <laughs> Excellent. So it's a, it's the evening for you, and I appreciate you being here. That's all right. Yeah. Mm. So the reason you're here is because on October 1st, there's going to be a new Yes album called The Quest. It's the first studio album in seven years. Mm. How did this album come to be? Well, uh, in the second half of 2019, we didn't have any touring because we did all our hard work touring in the first half of the 2019. So that's when we started uh, talking about the album a bit more and talking to Thomas Weber at Inside Out, and he said, yeah, I'd really like to pick up the, the record, you know, I mean, a really good Yes record. So we basically had the backing there, and we started doing that, and then the end of October, John and I met to try out a system where I was producing and I could have a headquarters studio uh, with Curtis Schwartz sound, and basically him and I have been working together for 20 years or more, and uh, I felt that between us, we could we could steer this 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 away because we had a facility and you know we had all the internet connections and everything like that. So we just started doing it that way. It wasn't all done by file sharing because uh, John was John Davison was in England quite a lot, and so was Jeff Downs, and they could come over to meet me. Besides sending their files uh, through Curtis, but also that's where I started, you know, sort of like redesigning and producing. The record so that it was uh, going to, you know, meet the criteria. <laughs> and I do want to mention that Steve Howe, you are listed as the producer on this record. Last time out, you guys use a, a big name producer, Roy Thomas Baker, and this time out, you decide to do it yourself. The album sounds amazing. I mean, I am really enjoying it. to hear that yeah i mean trevor horn did a pretty good job on fly from here but uh i think once we got to this point i felt that it wasn't any any use giving up our uh 
uh, well, not freedom, but giving up our, our the way we work and the way that the relationships have built up over the years w- with this lineup. That, that some, some somebody else in there in the suit was was a kind of more of an obstacle than than a help because nobody was sure. Certainly after the the Roy Thomas Baker experience, which was the second time he has tried to work with Roy and it wasn't successful the first time. And it didn't come out properly the first time. But anyway, that, that's a long way away. Right, sure. Well, basically, I've been part of the production team of Yes for, for all these years, and I produced my own records. And I really felt confident to, to do it, you know. And uh, I've been interested in that side of recording ever since I walked in my first recording studio, which was in 1964, <laughs> with a producer called Joe Meek. And I've always been interested in what producers do and... One of the main things that I said to the guys was that all my records, you know, the Steve Howe solo albums like Love Is and all these other records, all been made very happy. You know, people get paid, they enjoy working. Right. It's it's done in a fruitful, positive, you know, friendly environment. Why can't Yes do that? Because the last <laughs> five records have been like pulling teeth. Yeah. You know? So I said, no, if I'm going to produce, it's got to be a friendly, ongoing, everybody's, you know, getting on so that's basically what we achieved you know which is you know which is quite something in itself that that kind of level well you know i think you guys did it because uh, the first single that we heard was the ice bridge and i love that song and it does this does have like a, an easy breezy happy feeling to it so uh you you definitely nailed it and yeah your discography you have like over i don't know 50 studio albums that you're credited on so yeah i'm sure you can handle yourself in the studio just fine steve um now i want to ask this this is also the first album without chris squire uh were you guys feeling his presence uh, during the recording of the quest well to an extent yeah i mean you know there, 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 there was a there was a big gap to fill and and fortunately billy had been you know I dare say idolizing isn't even the wrong word, but he'd been in, in Chris's slipstream for a very long time. Right. And, um, you know, he, he had Chris's approval to stand in when we hoped Chris was merely going to go through a recuperation, long as it was going to be. But hopefully it was going to come out the other side. But as Chris didn't, it was a tragedy. But there again, um, you know, w- w- we took a little while to decide what to do. And I, I've repeatedly held yes back on making records, uh, you know, because the people weren't ready. You know, we didn't have the songs. You know, we didn't have the the collaborations and and the the writing uh, together. So basically, that was that was what was needed, and that helped us get over Chris not being here, right. um, and also Billy didn't overly self consciously, you know, feel that he had to step into a new gig. It was a gig he's been part of, you know, for a lot of his life. And now there was the time when he was playing bass. So I guess he was thrilled in a way, but also, you know, there was certain trepidation, certain expectation that we couldn't have. And as you rightly said, you know, this is the first record without Chris, but we hope that people love the bass and it rocks, you know, and it drives and it moves and it's climactic. Down the endless hallway, 
and uh, it, it certainly figures great in, in the way that Billy designed really what the drums would do as well. Right. In 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 the way that he overdubbed the, the bass, you know, and he took on the tracks and, and developed them in such a way where they had openings for drums to to punctuate and to resonate with with Billy. So it was a really a good start. I think the process we did, the gradual process, very much like my own albums, I tend to start with a bed track that's really going to be updated, but it's got to have some key key ingredients, usually guitars, right. key ingredients that say, okay, well, th this, is, this is going there, you know, it's going there. So once it's got some of that, um, then you can develop it. And, you know, we added the drums last, you know, and... Uh, I would just like to add that one of the spectacular times was when we'd finished the stereo mixing that you've heard, but then we did the 5.1 straight away, and that was really exciting because not a lot of people have 5.1, but if you have it and you put the Quest on, this is a record like made for 5.1 just because it was so fluid to go from stereo to 5.1 that we carried the same excitement that we had on the stereo mixes, but we broadened and heightened and lowered and we did everything with the sounds that, that allowed you in 5.1 that's a side point anyway well i can't think of a better band to have a 5.1 mix than than yes i mean let's let's be honest well, this is the first time we've ever released a stereo mix on the same day as a vinyl and the same day as a 5.1 i mean that shows some some organization yeah. because we've done that it's all like it's all there if you want to get the 5.1 you can get the 5.1 and you've got the stereo too of course yeah uh, in. but basically uh we had a sense of getting things you know getting the ducks lined up you know and, and not just you know kind of forging ahead irrespective of various requirements so there was all those requirements that we want to release with all the formats and that's uh, october 1st everybody all the formats on october 1st uh, let me give a shout out to the the current lineup: John Davison on vocals, Jeff Downs on keyboards, Billy Sherwood on bass, and of course Alan White on drums. I want to talk to you about. There's a song on here called "Mystery Tour" that you wrote. Yeah. It's a tribute to the Beatles. John was a fighter, his fist in a glove. Across the universe, he spoke of love. What made you decide to pay tribute to the Fab Four? Well, it started in 1985. I, 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 you know, last year I found a piece of paper that was dated uh, 1985. I don't know what time in 1985 it was, but it had a sketch of those lyrics. It had about half of the lyrics that are part of that song. And what I did was I didn't have a melody. You know, there was no recording of these lyrics uh, for me to reference. But I just came across them in piles of old lyrics, you know, drafts of lyrics. And basically, I thought, 
oh, well, just for fun, you know, I'll throw this in as as an offering. You know, it's kind of light and breezy and, you know, see if they like it. So the guys heard it and said, well, we like this. Yeah, everybody said they liked it. So we, we polished it up a bit. And uh, I, what I did was, when I was sitting with those lyrics, I thought, what's the last verse tune that I that I wrote? So I looked at my digital recorder and, and listened back to things. And I heard this tune that went, da, 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 that I'd written. So I thought, you know, that 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 fits, you know, and I, and I, and I took that melody and that's how I started, you know, um, writing the final uh, version of Mystery Tour. So, you know, we're delighted to, uh, 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 wave a hand or give a shout to the Beatles because really they're the most fantastic band that's ever been. Well, that, that's... they were so talented and they made so many breakthroughs in popular music that uh, you know I, I, it was nice to bring that awareness and our love for them so much. Yeah, and I want to I want to tell people it's not the typical Yes song, but man, when I heard it for the first time, it immediately put a smile on my face. That's the kind of song it is. So okay. great job on that, Steve. Um, Thank you. Second single is Dare to Know. And um, another great song that you wrote and you guys, um, I, I mean, I don't like to compare albums to albums, but I have to say that for me, I am enjoying this album much more than the last studio album. I mean, I think John's singing is on point. Everything is just copacetic. I don't know. It's just fantastic. Um, well, I think John John's made a leap, you know, because not least of all because he didn't have Roy Thomas Baker yelling at him. Right. But basically <laughs> he had me developing and giving him the confidence to to know that I wanted what he wanted. I wanted to find out where, where he saw this, how he was going to stylize that lyric, how he was going to harmonize it or how he present his, his own songs. So basically that, 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 that was a joy. And, and I think everybody, you know, came up, you know, raised their game this time and, and really um, pulled their socks up. <laughs> Thought, well, you know, we want to we want to kind of what we're trying to do here is is not assimilate a yes record, but reinvent a yes record. Right. We don't want it to be like, oh, it's a poor man's attempt at trying to do close to the edge or something. You know, we we just shunned away. I shunned away in particular from any like close reference to previous records because I wanted to kind of reinvent our opportunity here to to reestablish a recording uh, situation that that had uh, the right kind of validity and the right kind of perfectionism without being um, clinical, you know. Uh, and I guess that's, that's uh, you know, just, you know, in my confidence and my experience, you know, uh, there's no reason why something isn't going to rock when it's got all the right sort of things going for it. And, and that's, what, that's what we were doing. Yeah, well, again, you guys did it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. 
Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I want to ask about the, the cover artwork is by Roger Dean. When Roger does a cover for you guys, do you guys just tell him the title of the album and then let him go? Or does he show you a bunch of different things and you choose one? How does this work? Well, more the first one, because basically we do, the title is very important. You know, you, you know, the title has to kind of sit. Everybody got happy with the title. You move forwards. Uh, and Roger dreamed up a sort of concept where this quest was about this journey across from one part of the universe to another part of the universe or one part of a you know, a, a, a terrain to another part of terrain. So, of course, we, we, we love working with Roger. We think he's brilliant, and, and he's always come up with great new ideas for us each time we make a record. And um, so, basically, he, he had plenty of time to kind of develop this very intricate, uh, complex drawing. But, again, the, the, the light that comes from it, you know, the brightness, the, the positivity, the positive colors that are sort of resonating from it really helped to give the album, you know, so much of a opportunity, you know, to, to continue the, 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 the luck that we had running into Roger all those years ago and how consistent his, uh, his contributions to our records have been. Yeah. And there's definitely, like you said, there's definitely a brightness and a light uh, to this album cover. It's, it's, it's just fantastic. Uh, Steve, in 2022, you guys are going to do another album series tour, and you're going to feature the album Relayer. When you do one of these album tours, is there room then to play some of the classic hits and feature music from the Quest? Well, yeah, that's what we're hoping to do. I mean, obviously, when we when we booked the Relay tour, we had lots of flexibilities about would we play close to the edge as well, or and so we said, no, let's just commit to Relay. That's the album that intrinsically is the most lost gem of of yes, and it was made with Patrick Mraz, and it was a spectacular album. And we played all the others, most of the others we played in the album series and, and love doing uh, the whole album. So we will do that, but we will also build in uh, some tracks from the quest. We haven't decided which ones, but maybe, you know, it's not too unclear which ones they might be. They certainly will be uh, the ones that, that we think people will know best because, uh, and by the time we get out in April and then come round to America later next year, then hopefully the record won't be like 
so much of a new record right. not heard. It will be like a new record not heard on stage yet. So hopefully we can bring uh, what Yes usually bring to a live performance of a studio album is is the same power, you know. Increasement of uh, of the live quality, but there again, the accuracy of uh, of the parts have to be very very consistent. That's why we do a lot of homework, and we we demand of each other that we all come to rehearsal knowing the song, knowing the words, knowing everything, or having the cues to to, to recall all this stuff, so that we can do that. So yeah, the the, the tour hopefully will still feature Relay, but it'll have a nice. A nice bit of the quest and 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 the general you know the sort of like sort through the other music that we know people love uh let me go way back now to 1970 when you joined the band and the first album you appeared on is the yes album and this is still considered one of the classics in the band's discography What do you remember about the recording of that first album with uh, featuring Steve Howe? Well, I guess there was a lot of adventurism. There was a lot of positive hopefulness that that this band, uh, you know, this lineup could sort of like converge onto something that was better than Yes and Time and a Word, the two previous albums. And in fact, Atlantic were going to bin Yes <laughs> if we hadn't got off the ground on the third one. They only had three albums. So it was like the make or break it album. Not that that altered anything because we just did what we did so we basically went in and did what we did which was developed from the rehearsals and the writing you know to 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 go in the studio and work uh work it up so to speak and and slightly reinvent the, the 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 rehearsal tapes that we had maybe from one thing to another although we didn't have a lot on starship trooper or or um Certainly, good people didn't sound much like that. We, in other words, what we did was, and we certainly did this on the quest, was that we took the, the basic song and said, 
you know, how do we improve that? How do we bring more finesse, more tonal changes, more development to this? And, and how do we use vocals and the instrumentational power of Yes to its best advantage? And the Yes album has so many moments there where we're, you know, we're plowing into like yours and his grace and we're three minutes in and the song hasn't started. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a kind of warning of what was to come with this band, you know, with, with the big intros and the big pieces. But there again, it was still contained, a bit more like the quest is, it's contained to, to several songs. It, it's not like got one song on one side and two on the other. Because the bigger scale pieces take a little bit longer to, to work up. And I felt that it wasn't essential for us to come out this time with, uh, you know, with the 20-minute piece. It was a bit of a cliche. It was one I wanted to avoid, not because I don't like that, because I love them, but I think that the, 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 the where we were at was with this uh, kind of variety of songs that shows the writing of different members collaborating mm -hmm. and, and basically developing the songs for each other. I, I have to say that also the Yes album, second track on there, uh, they let Steve Howe have a, have a nice instrumental with clap. Just still fantastic whenever you uh, are able to play that live. So I love that well, too. I, I can still remember when I sort of said to the guys, we were having dinner together in this this uh, this uh, old thatched house. Uh, and I said to them, well, by the way, I have got this instrumental that I wrote. And they said, well, you play it. And I went, doodle -doo, doodle -doo, doodle -doo. They said, oh, that's great. Stick it on the album. And I thought, oh, I just lucked out. <laughs> I really lucked out. I joined this band, we're writing an album, and hey, they like this solo. So Clap did become part of the introduction of, of my guitar work into it, but in a way that was so unexpected, you know, I mean, it's a folk guitar, country-picking, Chet Atkins sort of piece, you know, and it's on a Yes album. It, it, it didn't all sound right, but it's strange how it works. 
and the colour, once again, we followed on with uh, uh, Fragile, where everybody had the chance to do a solo. So um, that, that also shows the, 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 uh, the diversity of the different members, you know, with, with, um, with so many different sort of approaches to what the opportunity meant to have a solo. And, of course, I played Mood for a Day, and, and basically... I, I followed in the same path, but Bill's original concept, he did have the concept for Fragile, Bill Wilson, and he thought the band should be directed by each member one at a time, which, of course, he did on 5% for Nothing, the right. most brilliant and shortest track ever recorded by us. And uh, all those things on Fragile were really a development from the opportunity the guys gave me in, 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 on the Yes album. Uh, now, you just dropped the name Chet Atkins. I wanted to ask you, because guitar players now, they'll reference Steve Howe as, uh, as inspiration. Uh, and Steve, you've been, you've been in my musical life uh, since I can remember. My, my whole life, I've known Steve Howe music. Who, who are some of your guitar, uh, should I say the word heroes? Or, or who, who did you look towards for technique and to learn from? Well, I mean, I didn't realize it, but... But before Chet, because when I discovered Chet, I was about 13, I'd only been playing a year or so, and I thought, this guy must be overdubbing, you know, you can <laughs> play those once, yeah, boop, dip, boop, and the piece, you know, and I remember sitting in the room with a guy saying, that must be overdubbing, well, I don't think it is, of course it wasn't. <clears throat> so before that, I, I was exposed, if you like, to Les Paul, very much so through my parents, uh, inadvertently. They had, you know, the Lord is Waiting for the Sunrise and How High the Moon, which are absolutely brilliant recordings and beautiful singing by Mary Ford. there was a package that um, was just part of my world you know I didn't necessarily think that was my inspiration but as I plowed through guitarists you know like the Hank Marvins and and uh, you know the, the the guitar instrumental era was was a joyful time I wish that would come back I'd be right on that stage <laughs> but basically guitar instrumentals had this incredible fling which obviously inspired me but what I was doing was instead of looking at the popular guitarist who you couldn't help but get to know I said to myself what well, who don't I know you know I mean who can I find that's my guy you know and that's really how I found Chet I guess in this quest to find other people and, and along came Wes Montgomery and I got into jazz guitar I got into classical guitar through Julian Bream and John Williams you know I got into folk guitar you know Martin Carthy and everybody that I could turn to was really playing a different kind of guitar and that's where I took a big chunk out of Chet which is that Chet's a very versatile player um, 
he, he plays it in so many different ways. And, and I guess that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Whether I like it or not, I'm not a blues guitarist. I can play blues. I'm not a jazz guitarist. I can play a bit of jazz. You know, so I do a bit of all of it. But what I do mainly is pull it into a Steve Howe method, a Steve Howe approach, I guess. And that started, you know, being more visible at the Yes album, I guess, where there's, you know, there's even the Portuguese guitar on that one, which is a, an unusual kind of bright, sound so basically I, I i started mixing the sounds with yes and <clears throat> i was doing it before a little but never more so than when yes gave me that golden opportunity so yeah i mean a, a guitar with a volume pedal you know that was something that i thought was standard but it wasn't you know uh, but Chet used that a lot. People use it as an expression pedal. Pedal steel players use it a great deal because you don't always want to hear the attack of the note. You want to hear the chord lurching. So I got interested in playing pedal steel, and uh, and therefore my the, the guys that in, inspired me, like Speedy West, in in a big way. just like they were just numerous <laughs> they were so numerous that i could keep finding other guitarists that weren't necessarily uh, as famous as, as some of the guys hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline let me ask you about this in 1991 steve uh you play some spanish guitar on a queen album and the, the album's innuendo and the song is innuendo The sorrow all through our splendor Don't take offense at my innuendo
actually in the studio with the band when that happened? Yeah, yeah. I was in, in that they recorded the whole album. And uh, I was having lunch in Montreux. A guy saw me from their crew and said, hey, come down to the studio. The guys would love to see you. So I said, sure. When I went in there, it was a setup. They said, look, we want to play the album. I said, well, of course, just hit me, you know, hit the play button. And it was great, you know. Um, all the songs went through, you know. I'm going slightly mad. And everything was coming at me. And they didn't play the innuendo until last. So they played the innuendo. They said, this is the opening track, innuendo. Bang! I thought, I never heard Queen sounding better than this. Right. And so they said at the end, and they said, well, do you think you could play some guitar on this? I was like, <laughs> completely shocked, you know. I said, well... But you don't you don't need any guitar. Listen to listen to Brian. You know he's got all those those Spanish guitars. He said, yeah, but that's more structural. We would like some somebody to you know, play on top. You know. So I said, well, yeah. I mean, I'll have a go. So I did about three takes. We went off and had dinner. We came back and we kind of listened to them and said, well, that, that bit's nice on this one. And yeah, maybe it can go into this one. So we basically, you know, designed a, a guitar that comes in and. And uh, the, the, the inspiration there was that, not that I could possibly play like him, but they kind of said, could you play a bit like Paca de la Silla? <laughs> you know, I was like, well, <laughs> hang on a second. He's the most brilliant flamenco guitarist right. in the world. And you want me to... He said, you know what I mean. You know? So, of course, that's really what I did. I just threw myself in it. And, and one of the things that I've been most happy about my whole career is that I can improvise. Uh, you know, I can hear some music, and if somebody says you want to play on that i can i can possibly find something to play just because uh i guess because i'm versatile but also because i've had that gift of uh if it is a gift i don't know what else it is uh it is to be able to just improvise just play something off the top of my head and not think about it just play something you know find some notes that sound nice you know well you you, you nailed it on innuendo and I, I didn't even know you played on that i always assumed it was brian until i read the liner notes and i'm like wait a minute so great job <laughs> um i have to talk uh, i have to bring up asia because you know asia and yes are your or i mean those are the two biggest successes in your career if, if i may and um in 1982, you guys just, you dominated the charts with this new band, Yes, with John Wetton, Carl Palmer, and Jeff Downs. And when I listen to that record now, you all sound rejuvenated, like you needed to make, to do something different and make that album. Was that an easy record to make? Well, fairly, fairly easy. Yeah, because basically we'd been we'd been writing, we'd been forming the band. You know, John and I got together first and had a few weeks jamming and talking about 
different things we liked and different kinds of songs and started on a few bits of writing like cutting it fine and here comes that feeling one step closer so basically we were starting to share and he said well let you know what about carl and he said well yeah i mean carl would be a great drummer so we got carl in and they first of all said you know just um just, that's it you know three of us great and i said no 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 no. i gotta have a keyboard player like i've been working with jeff downs i think he's got like in claviers and fair lights and all these things you know we can do so jeff came down and we did the audition so when once that happened and and john and jeff started writing songs you know it was really something and i think that that there's that balance that we've got on the quest you know there's a lot of john and jeff but there is a sufficient amount of me poking my guitar in there and and that makes for a collaborative uh, sound on, on on the record so certainly uh, it's it would be very hard you know um, to 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 find a way of, of doing an asia record that that good again i mean but i think i've got to give credit to mike stone who at the time had come off the back of some of his successes with journey and other bands and uh and he he was brilliant he was funny he was pleasant he engineered and produced and he was bossy at times which producers need to be but also he was he was a lot of fun you know he was really a lot of fun so but that was the honeymoon the first album was like a honeymoon and as you point out it sounds like we all felt right and we did we all felt very right very much excited that uh, Geffen had signed us and you know this was going to be a, a golden opportunity so don't mess it up and we didn't and, no uh, it's a wonderful record and i want to give a shout out to uh the b-side that you and john co-wrote together uh, called Ride Easy. I always love that song. Excellent track. Oh, good. Many days I've traveled, but I know not where I'm going to. I'm lost, lost along the way. From Mexico to Paris, always the same solitary supper in an empty cafe. The faces were so empty, meaningless and Yeah, I mean, there aren't many songs that I've ever forgotten I wrote, but when somebody pointed out to me that, what well, he didn't mention, you know, I was talking about Asia songs, and they said, yeah, but you didn't mention Ride Easy. I said, oh, yeah, Ride Easy. <laughs> and then somebody said, yeah, but you wrote that. <laughs> and I don't often forget anything I write, but John and I collaborated on that one, and, and obviously it's got the riffs and it's got the thing. Yeah, it's a really good title, uh, and, and I'm glad it's, been popularized you know and i want to let people know in 2007 24 years after you left yes you guys come back and do a usually successful reunion tour and then the uh the four original members you guys make three more studio albums 2008 through 2012 and uh and you guys made some great music on those albums i mean just great stuff
Yeah, it was nice to get back together and not only do the successful tours that that, that were spawned from our reunion, and because obviously a band with original members is is it's very powerful. And then we started on um, on um, you know those three albums, the work you know on those three albums, Phoenix, Omega, and Triple X. So basically, we we were on we were in a nice place. It was kind of maybe bad news for yes that sorry bad news for asia that quite soon yes got back together and right. i remember john Redden saying to me well i i think they're going to be your priority aren't they and i said well i'm going to share i'm going to share this out you know i'm going to be available um and after several years of being into big bands uh, uh you know uh, i'd i'd realized that uh, well about four years after yes got back together and asia were in this stream of of, of reunion um, you know, I just felt it was just too too difficult. I, I could deal with doing a solo album on the side or my Steve Howe trio, but uh, not if I was in two bands at right. the same time. So it was a kind of compromise. But, you know, the guys got to understand it, and it was a good fling. I mean, it was a six-year fling, and, uh, you know, we, we played around the world, and we did three albums, and it was very good. And, um, and, and, and I guess as you're older, uh, when, when you want to make the decision to leave Asia at that point, everyone kind of understands. Yeah. One more thing before we wrap it up and talk about the new album a little bit more. In 1989, you get back together with John Anderson for Anderson, Bruford, Wakeman, and Howe. out to who for this project to happen well yeah that period after i've been in gtr and, and that had a short life a bit like asia and so i was trundling through preparing an album called turbulence that came out in 1990 so basically i was i was kind of busy and, and john reached out to me and said <clears throat> in fact what he said was have you got any songs and i said yeah i got a cassette with six on it do you want to come over so he comes over and he takes the cassette away and believe it or not, that that it was a part of the foundation of, of the album. You know, songs uh, that I'd written that John developed. You know, and Brother of Mine was a, was a song of mine. There was one called Brother of Mine. Well, it's now called The Big Dream and all that kind of thing. I mean, it contains uh, these songs, and and uh, much like uh, you, you go through the album, a lot of it is is when you see my name, it's, uh, it comes from my cassette. So, yeah, that, that was an interesting project. I mean, for Rick, Bill and I, the worst thing about it was when we decided to become Yes, because, in fact, we'd established ABWH beyond any doubt that we were a version of Yes that called ABWH. But, but you know, we had, uh, we had Tony Levin, we had, you know, we had some accompanying musicians, and basically it was, it was all built to run, and we were starting the second one. Uh, 
and the tracks on Union, yes, by yes, that, that are from the ABWH camp were really destined to be ABWH2, if you like. So that was a uh, it was a disappointment, even though at the time it was like bigging it up, you know, where we're going to be. Yes, we didn't really think it was necessary, but it all became a, a, a bit of a monster, you know, and it went on for ages and there were good patches and there were not not so good patches. But after it, you know, the crazy thing was. Rick Bill and I didn't even have yes or ABWH. <laughs> we weren't in either. Right. Because it kind of folded in such a silly way. So I think that people should have learned quicker, you know, when you're under something good, you know, as they say, don't fix it. You know, if it's, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And ABWH wasn't broken, but, it, but there was the desire to, to become yes as if it was more important than becoming AB, you know doing another ABWH that's my feelings anyway um, yeah and, and the the tracks the standout tracks on uh, Union album are in my opinion the ones that would have been on uh, ABWH too so yeah just my yeah. opinion but um, yeah I mean um, John had big success with that 80s sound of yes and you were having big success with Asia and then when you, the mm. two guys you guys came back together you kind of brought it back to the yes sound that uh, mm. that we were missing. So thank you for that album is what I want to say. Mm. Let me tell people right now, uh, the website is yesworld.com. Instagram and Twitter are at yesofficial. And the new album, The Quest, comes out on October 1st in all formats, vinyl, Blu-ray 5.1, stereo mix, all that good stuff. Now, Steve, here's the question for you. What song from the new album should i use as our playout song today <laughs> i know difficult well, oh well i mean you know there's eight on the main album and there's three on the bonus track i mean sleeping sister soul is, is the song that's got the portuguese guitar on it which is something i you know did on wondrous stories good people um nine voices uh, hour of need you know it, it comes a lot uh, and that's a that's a surprising kind of track because it, it's got so much of the ingredients that 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 one associates with yes, but it's acoustic, you know, it's more or less acoustic, and I just picked that for a laugh, you know. I mean, Dare to Know and all the big tracks are there, but this this track's really quite special and it mustn't be missed. Sleeping Sister Soul. All right, you've got it, Steve Howe. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. I can't wait for the other pe for other people to hear the album because I've really been enjoying it, and the playout song is Sister Sleeping Soul. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Thanks take, a lot. Take care. All right, then. Take care, Pat. It's been, it's been fun and very sweet. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Bye for now.
sister of my soul Timid and bright, you clung to my side Just leave. 